0: I wanted to read something here that caught my attention this morning, just as a starter point. And this was the open windows. Um, but anyway, I'll read it. It's very short. Anybody read it this morning? Uh, the Hidden Power of God. It's a good perspective. It, and in the end, it there's two different passages in the gospel that describe the same event but their description is different different perspective it says here when they looked up they were amazed that the stone was already rolled back for it was very large and they were utterly amazed now that's in Mark 16 and he says when the Lord moves for his own son's sake it has those interests governing and when those interests have brought us into such a relationship with him that we can say, and that's the purpose that's the goal for the interests of Christ to so govern us to bring us to a relationship that we say there is no stone so big to be removed no problem so great for solving no difficulty so intense but the Lord will do what is necessary for his son's sake and when we have come into such a position like that the Lord is free to do a lot of things very quietly Very quiet, emphasizing that. just the way he moves when you and I connect and fully surrender and fully offer, right? He's free to do according to his purpose. And, And we say, they just happen. Ah, but they have been the objects of the exercise of the exceeding great power, in other words, things moved out of the way obstacles they just move out of the way there was a great earthquake that was described the same event and that's in Matthew 28 you can do your homework later but here in this aspect of the situation it does not seem to be an earthquake at all I'm talking about when the stone was rolled away right one reference here describes it as just it, it just was moved out of the way and they were amazed same reference, same event, in Matthew describes it. There was an earthquake. And that really is the way God, God can move. He, 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 can, he can move and remove an obstacle with a big event is very obvious, or he can do it quietly. And I think probably most of the time. He does not need an earthquake to move the stone out. He, just, he can just move it anyway. Sometimes he may bring us into the presence of, his work, of the working of his power that is manifestly terrific, but not often and certainly not always, for faith is more like this. There is such power at work as to make possible the setting aside of the obstacle very quietly so that we afterwards wonder, and they were amazed. And the angel said, Be not amazed. It is good to have amazement, but let us recognize that a certain amount of our amazement is because we have not sufficient faith. Anyway, I just thought, like, are there any obstacles too great? How are the obstacles moved out of the way? Well, they moved out of the way today if we open our hearts to whatever God has for us. We don't know, but that's just, let's uh, open our hearts really to his plan and purpose for this service. That's what's before us. Presently, yes, But you would go before him, Lord, give him the anointing that he needs to minister. We do look to you, Lord, for to, to clear the, the river, the obstacle. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's gather. <laughs>
1: I've been thinking about um, that I will share with you. Yeah, it's kind of hard to share what you haven't been thinking about. I it's I hate it when people say this so I probably should just not say it probably more for me. Um, You know, I've had those thoughts when people say that to say, well, then let's just go ahead and keep that for yourself. It's kind of hard to explain to Richard as to why I stayed home to say these things to myself today. Um, But um, I've been driving back and forth to Fairbanks uh, quite a bit lately. And it gives me a lot of time to pray and think I'm not a big Person to look like, a big person I am. that um, don't listen to music and you know, a ton of that. Back in the days of tapes, I loved listening to tapes. Um, I could try to figure out how to do the iPhone thing now. Sure, I have some of that too, but um, use the time to pray and meditate and argue. Um, get answers for all of you. Um, <clears throat> but I've um, um, been feeling uh, the, uh, how the Lord is personal with all of us uh, and how he wants to be um, more personal uh, when he speaks to us. Richard was talking about sometimes he he'll use an earthquake to remove a stone Um, but sometimes he is just the quietness of his voice that uh, speaks more to us than than anything else we could get and sometimes it's in our silence really that we can um, absorb more of what God is doing in our midst because there is a lot of noise (laughs) there's a lot that is happening all around us and sometimes uh, just taking time to quiet yourself and, um, and uh, observe um, what God is doing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an important thing to do um, so that you don't get carried away with everything that is happening uh, internally and corporately. And in our jobs and everywhere that we find ourselves, there's just so much, so much that happens and so much that goes on. And God's voice um, and His guidance is always there for us uh, in the midst of all that. And sometimes we miss that um, because of uh, all the noise around you. <clears throat> and um, anyway, um, I was, going to get right to it. I hope not to be very long. Um, another thing that don't like it. <laughs> John 21, um, if we could go there, <clears throat> pretty familiar scripture, but I've been meditating on that quite a bit. <clears throat> um, in, in this uh, story, Jesus, uh, we're all familiar with it because Jesus is talking to to his disciples and asking Peter if he loves him, right we all remember that when he asked them that three times, and Peter was getting a little bit annoyed with him because he kept asking him the same question and saying, "If you do love me, then feed my sheep and um, um you know <clears throat> and, uh, that that whole scene happens, and then in verse um 18 Right after that when Peter says Lord, you know that I love you and, and Jesus says feed my sheep Peter and it, it seems to me obvious That if you love the Lord and you're gonna feed his people This is what needs to happen in your life And it's right here. where he says verily verily I say unto thee when thou was young Thou would girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou, whither, whither thou wouldest not. And the only way, you know, it, it seems opposite to what this world is telling you. If, if you're going to feed someone, if you're going to help someone, you need to go and get, do something of yourself, be something get an education, get a good job, get a big ministry, get, you know, get things going. And Jesus tells Peter, if you're gonna feed my people, (coughs) you're not gonna be able to know, you're gonna let someone else gird you and take you to places where you wouldn't otherwise have gone yourself. And (coughs) um, then, uh, This, this, he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Follow me. And <clears throat> leaders don't follow. <laughs> you know, we're taught to be something, do something, make something of yourself. We tell our children, you know, we want to help you better your future. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not preaching against those things. I'm, I'm talking about the heart. I hope you you understand. Uh, um, and this is what I'm saying. This has been personal to me because uh, it's, it's in all of our minds. It's ingrained in us from the time you were born to figure things out, to find a way to make something. And Jesus tells Peter, if you're going to be a real service to me, you're going to learn to follow me. And, um, You know, if you get nothing else out of this morning, that's going to be my main theme. And I appreciated this last song that we were singing this morning uh, because it's right along uh, with what I've been thinking. Um, You know, when you're young, and this is not just talking about age. I think this is talking about our walk with God. As we're maturing with Him, we are learning that... We don't know how to lead. We don't know how to go out. You know, the thing that God loved about Solomon was that he said, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. With all the things that you have given me, I'm afraid. You know, that was his. if he would have stayed with that, <laughs> he probably would have been great. Um, he was great as it was, but it didn't stick to the true purpose of, of what God wanted to do. Because somewhere in our walk, we figure things out and we figure that we know how to do things and it's the greatest danger that we can come across. Um, Nobody likes to follow. We like certainty. We like plans. We like to know how our children are going to turn out, how they're going to be. We like to know when we grow old, what's going to happen to us, how the future is going to hold, what's it going to be like? One of the biggest when <clears throat> when my dad and my mom, my family decided to go to Mexico to Colombia. There was a lot of uh, disagreement with my dad's siblings mostly, because they had, they lived in Chihuahua, near where Abel's at, that's where they grew up. And they had all kind of moved to the border and my dad and one of my uncles had moved to the U.S. and were making something of themselves. They had jobs retirement plan, my dad had built his own house for his family, you know, for where they had come from, those, those were big major steps. And, and for my dad to one day tell him, I'm gonna move my family to Colombia. And when they asked where, he said, well, to, I don't know. <laughs> Some farm down on the Kakata River. And what about your family? You know, that's always the leverage. What, what about your family? How are you going to provide for them? Well, I don't know. It didn't help that, you know, weird things had been happening before that, like burning photos, TV, My dad wouldn't sell the TV because he didn't wanna, if it was evil, why give it to somebody else so he'd burn it, he burnt it. (coughs) This wasn't a missionary trip, you know. Missionaries don't sell their house, sell their livelihood, quit their jobs, make no provision for a return. And that really, really, Uh, bothered my uncles and his siblings and his family and they left in not good terms because they could not understand they could not understand why a man like my dad who was a responsible person with a family of eight kids wife would all of a sudden pick up and go and his answer was I don't know I imagine I wasn't there but sure what it seems like he didn't have a lot of answers as to where he was going except that there was a call and that he felt that he needed to follow follow and answer that call the hardest thing that you and I do is learn how to follow because we want plans we want security we want to know What the future is going to hold, how our children are going to be. You know, children are a big thing. Our children don't think so, but they carry a lot of weight with parents. We all were, you know, I don't, I look at my life and say, I don't know why my mom was so worried. I was, I turned out okay. Well, (laughs) that's why she's worried. Um, um, But you know, all the, you carry all these things and um, the call hasn't changed That's what i'm trying to say um, we don't preach about it as much as we used to anymore maybe it doesn't get talked about it uh but it's still it's still the same are you are you gonna follow him and you know it was it was easier to know how to follow Back in the days when we had little. <laughs> um, when we had nothing, we knew how to trust God. We had no other option. Right. Um, yeah, you know, we talked about the days when, you know, at Family Fun Days, you couldn't find shoes for your children. We we're all over Valley Village, Salvation Army, trying to find those, you know, 50 cent sale. A dollar bag days. <laughs> um, You know, uh, really trusted on God for what you were gonna eat. Um, You know, different experiences all over. I I remember being um, at the Mexico farm at Cholome. And you know, this is how parents are thinking for their children. I, back in that day, we had not very much, but we had way more than they did. (laughs) And I remember being at meals and Timothy, Anthony, and Lillian were young and eating very little so that they would have enough food to eat and be full. Because they couldn't understand at their age, you know, that they were gonna, I, I figured in four or five days I'll be okay. I'll go get somewhere and get some food that, they, they couldn't understand that. And these are the sacrifices, you know, these are the things that we're thinking for our kids, for the planning, you know, for what we do. And, and, and back then, it was easier to trust that God was making a provision uh, for all of us today that that is still the same burden of the spirit to bring you to a place to bring me to a place where regardless of the provision, regardless of all that we have, we know how to follow and how to trust him fully. That has not changed. And it's, you know, if anything is harder because now we have means and ways to, and we should, to make plans. You know, God also gave us, a, He's the one that gives and He's the one that takes away. And He wants us to be wise and, you know, good stewards of what He gives us. So, you know, there's a balance in all this, right? Um, but the heart of it all is, are you moving? in a way that you're being led by Him and not allowing the circumstances to continue your walk with God, which is good, but not really fully directed and dependent by what He's doing on the inside, inside of all of us. And, and you know that's, that, that is what I feel uh, that has been going on more than anything. Uh, <clears throat> Are we being led? Is our heart being moved by the hand of God? Or is it being moved by our surroundings and the provision? Which I'm thankful for. Not knocking that down. <clears throat> um. I was uh, driving to Fairbanks a few Sundays ago when I was working up there, when I worked the whole week. And I was thinking about Elijah. Um, and uh, that I wanna go to Eli- uh, Elijah, <laughs> First Kings 17. Um, Let me, let me read this verse to you. I know you're all there probably, but in, in John twelve twenty six, Jesus said something important. Oh. <laughs> okay, something that caught my attention that was important. It says, um, He that loved his life shall lose it, and he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Okay, then we read that too fast. And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also be, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If any man serve me, okay, him will my father honor. You know, the, this thing of serving, a, a servant is there not to make himself look good. That's not the job of a servant. The job of a servant is to make sure that his master is at his best, that he's represented well, that he's looked at with honor. The, the servant does not want, I am told, okay? <laughs> he doesn't want the recognition for himself. Is not, look at how good I make my master look. It's, it's he's he You know, the better servants are the ones that are the invisible ones. The ones that you didn't even know that they were there. But their master is honored and look great. And what Jesus says right here, If any man serve me, will my father honor him? God wants to pour out his honor on those who are willing to to serve him. A servant doesn't make decisions in future plans. A servant knows how to follow and how to be directed by the master. You know, that we, that's the concept that just doesn't really fit real well with our American thinking. The Mexicans are great at that, but not the Americans, no. The natural mind, the natural mind just cannot fathom that the greatest place to get recognition, really, is to learn how to serve, to learn how to make yourself invisible and how to honor somebody else. So anyway, Back to first King 17 um, <clears throat> it's a great story very familiar mm-hmm. I't know why I'll do this but um Elijah is um, being very, he had a word of the Lord for Ahab in which, um, in which he told him, you know, that there was gonna be no rain. And he didn't give him a timeline. he said, until, until I say so, essentially what he said. <laughs> There'll be no rain and no water. And, um, and then, you know, obviously God, God was leading Elijah. And in verse 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before the Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Sounds like quite a provision. Raven food, but, uh, but at least he had something I got to follow on. Right. He was, he was doing what God wanted him to do. And, and he spoke the word of the Lord and then he hightailed it um, to a place that where God was going to make a provision for him. those are tremendous times when God is feeding you, (laughs) when he's covering you, when he tells you where to go and you go there and God is providing. Uh, yeah, I think we've all had those times in our life when we fear that, that, that God is meeting us and, and, and he's being our provider. Um, and, uh, and that's tremendous. And then um, <clears throat> verse uh, five, it says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook, brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. That sounds Really great. don't know what kind of food it was, but probably better than a lot of people were getting at that time. It says, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So the brook dried up. You'd think the power of God would have kept that going, but that dried. It says, and the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go thee to Seraphath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Another tremendous promise from the Lord. He had no idea what this woman had to offer. But it was great that God was speaking to him that way. And, and, and this um, I, I was I'm, I'm looking at this now from the perspective of the widow. Okay, I, I'm saying this because I was driving to Fairbanks. I'm thinking about this story. I' had been working a lot. I was feeling a little bit a little bit remiss for not being here and being a part of all the wonderful times you guys have together. Um, there was joy in my heart, and there was also, you know, you always feel like you, you want to be a part of things. Um, but I wasn't extremely hurt over that either. <laughs> I did get filled in every day. trust me. Don't worry. Um, but um, anyway. But still, so I'm thinking about these things, and then, and then that's the week that that um, it seemed that we needed to do several emergency trips to the emergency room and the ambulance, and um, you know we had three trips up the, out to the emergency room. Josiah was up there and seeming fine, but in great danger, and um, uh, <clears throat> I'm feeling. Like I have nothing to offer, you know, just working hard and you know it's not it's not that there was no fuel in the tank, but sometimes you want a full tank, not a you know empty um, um, and and it just hit me how Elijah went to this provision <laughs> that God had for him, this woman that was going to sustain him, and she is out there, and it, it tells it better than me telling it to you. Um, And in verse uh, 10, it says, So he arose and went to Sarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now remember, there had been a drought this whole time. He was there because his own water source had dried out. So he goes to this widow woman and asks her for water. And surprisingly enough, she didn't have a problem with that. I don't know where she was getting her stuff from, but it seemed that it was just her and her son. And and she was going to fetch it, verse 11. And then he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Um, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. We have read that hundreds of times. But in our perspective, I think of that as, you know, I just had dinner today and tomorrow night she was like, oops. I, you know, I think I'm running out. She had been planning for this day probably for quite a while. For quite a while there had been a drought. She had a son, she had a responsibility, someone that she wanted to care for. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not like all of a sudden she didn't have any more flour there and no more, nothing to make. It was like, she was like, man, this is really the last meal That we have. It wasn't of you know all of a sudden. Like oh I'm out. It's almost like she had been planning. For this death. But one day she knew that if things continued. She was going to have nothing. And it's at that precise moment. And you know this is. This is what I'm trying to get. I'm looking at it from her perspective. It's at that precise moment. When she has nothing to give. Her very last meal. Her very last bit of life that she had I mean she's gathering two sticks maybe that's all the energy she had because she had probably been rationing food for quite a while to make sure it would last this long it's at that moment that the man of God says make me first something to eat make me first serve me first and it just, it, it hit me that week, you know, we, we, we were, I feel felt, you know, that as a farm, you know, we, we were running on very low, <laughs> close to empty. And then all those things are happening. The spirit of God saying, make me first, serve me, be my servant. That's the last thing you and I ever want to do. It's when we're, we feel like we're spent, that we're dried, that we have nothing, is to have to give the little bit of life that's still in there. And we should be thankful that there's still a little bit of life. <laughs> but even that, God is requiring it of us. Even that little bit, you know, we, we, we react to that. We get upset. I mean, don't you know where I'm at, how I feel, what's happening in my life and you want what? That's what the servant, you know, that's, that, that, that's how God is. He's, he, he has to bring us to a place because we, we don't understand servanthood. <laughs> We don't understand how to honor, how to give glory to another without receiving something in return until you get to a place where you have nothing and then more is required of you. And I love the fact I mean I'm, I don't know what happened and you know this is the bad thing about the scriptures it doesn't give you more detail. But she went and did that. <laughs> what happened in between there I don't know and you know what maybe that's great because maybe she had a huge reaction and she had a fit about it and she said, who the do you think you are? I am here with my son. You are a grown man. Why don't you go flick something for yourself? Maybe she had all those reactions. I don't know, I'm adding to it. Um, But it doesn't matter if you turn your heart and pour to him, pour out to him, regardless of how you feel, even when you feel it's unfair, unnecessary. I'm spent, I have nothing. And he said, and the prophet said, you will have and it will not run out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But she had to give when she didn't think she had any more to pour out. That's um, I I believe that's, that's God is funneling us. guiding us into a state where and he's not forcing us you know the thing about following is that you you're being led and that you follow It's not dragging it's not pulling is willingness to to allow him to complete what he has started <clears throat> and that's why we follow but we don't get there by our great plans and having this you know it's great that that you know we kind of have a retirement <coughs> plan in place kind of thing you know kind of thinking that that was back in the day one of the things that made very many people stumble now we're walking right into that <clears throat> but the thing is it doesn't matter where we come or where we're going if we're being followed by God and that's the thing that hasn't changed we're being fought we're follow. are you following God in your heart regardless of all the provision regardless of what's happening here regardless of what's happening in your heart around you are you following him you know and, and God is always always faithful to make a provision and to know how to lead his people and 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 walk through the desert i mean think about 40 years walking in the wilderness with hundreds of people and children and all that and god one way or another he made a provision for his people those those that will serve him with their whole heart god will never fail on and those promises are clear in the word about the faithfulness of his hand But it does require a heart that regardless of the surrounding, regardless of the richness around us, that we still know how to follow Him. And in um, Philippians 2, you know, I'll just tell you, uh, Gideon, I was thinking about Gideon. (laughs) Because, you know, it's it's such a tremendous story. We we love the story about Gideon's 300 and destroying the enemy. But, you know, when you start to think about how did Gideon really feel during that process? Like we know the end, right? So we're like, wow, that is fabulous. God's hand, you know, but how did Gideon feel? I mean, he already felt like he was the bottom of the totem pole, right? And he already felt like a chicken because he was hiding, trying to mill grain where nobody would expect that he would be. And you know, we're familiar with that story and everything. But uh, knowing that there were hundreds of thousands of enemies all over them, it seems like they were everywhere. I think it says they were like ants. You know, then they're they're just everywhere. And obviously they were getting into their their fields and their cities and everything. And so then, you know, he gets this great call and, and uh, it says there in, in chapter six of Judges, it says, go in this thy might, I have I not sent thee. And that's sometimes all that God gives us. <laughs> go in this thy might, I have sent thee. You know, our, our parents, uh, Some of you moved to places that you would have never gone only on that word. I have sent thee. You follow that call. You just follow you were just faithful to that call and um, but but the trimming down is is not glamorous anymore. You know having you know that getting the army together probably Gideon was like astonished at how many people he was able to gather together and then God starts trimming. And all of a sudden it's not so glamorous. It's not such a great call. Not such a great leader all of a sudden. You know, and then then he reduces him to 300 and then you start looking at the odds. Whoa, this is not good. And then as if the odds weren't bad enough, you know, he gets the F-16s and F-22s ready for battle, right? No, he gets an empty pitcher a trumpet. What was the other thing? A, um, a torch inside the empty pitcher. Not weapons of warfare. Those aren't the ones that he went into the the uh, you know the stash to go. Make sure you get me a pitcher. <laughs> Once again. The trimming factor was no fun, I'm sure. If we could hear the conversations that Gideon had with God, we probably would be very, very unimpressed with him. Just like we are unimpressed with ourselves. When we're screaming because we don't like what's happening. But it's part of the plan. It's part of his provision. Philippians 2 verse 5 we all want the mind of Christ right we say that a lot We want to know how God thinks. Verse five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. No reputation. There is the invisible servant the one who made it all happen, I guess, not really, but um, in our case, and didn't get any recognition. And took the form upon him, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. (laughs) Just when you thought you were something. Men's are servants. You know, John Jeffries, a long time ago, preached about this. Um, love this word. And he talked about this, the word servant here. Um, and uh, he said, uh, it, it uses the word servant here, but in the Greek is actually the word slave. Um, and a slave, he, you know, John said, and only the way that John could say it, you know, um, he, he listed the, the five categories of uh, the classes. Uh, and you know, there were, there were the wealthy, there were the rulers, there was um, <clears throat> the governors, the, the rulers, governors, uh, whatever. And you know, there were five of them. And then there was, the bottom was the servants. The very number one stage was the servant. Below that was the slave, the beggar. The servant, he said, could go home at the end of the day and he had been fed. <laughs> He'd had a place to be. But the beggar didn't have a place to go home to Didn't have a plan for the next day. He didn't he didn't wake up the next morning and said, well, at least I have a job today. The servant could do that. <laughs> he knew where he was going to go the next day. The beggar had nothing. That's what brother John said. That's the word that was used here. He became a beggar. He emptied himself. And my point is. That's what God is doing in you. Don't feel like you're being cheated. (laughs) God God is helping us where we can't help ourselves, bring us to a place where we have nothing to give. And even when you have that little bit, that's being asked of you too. So being in the form of a servant, of a beggar in the likeness of men, that, that's the mind. Okay. You do remember that first verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't count that as being wrong, as being evil. To allow himself to be emptied, to be a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Even the death of the cross Then verse nine, wherefore, that's a great wherefore, God also hath exalted him, and giving him a name which is above every name. You know, God does have a plan, and it's not just to bring you to nothing. That's part of the process. That is necessary in order for him To exalt and to honor, as we read earlier, those who truly serve him and have a desire to please him and and follow him and go wherever he leads. Let me close in Colossians chapter 12. No. Some of you are paying attention. Some he said, Well, okay, I guess we'll go there. Yeah, just following.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <clears throat> yeah, verse eight. Just beware. <laughs> Uh, this is probably, I mean, I know scripture. It's just depending on what God highlights is the most important thing to you. But this ver, this verses here, are probably one of the most important one in the Bible. You know, they're up there, if if, if not that. But it says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. Okay, those are the things to watch out for. You know, what? you can almost count on whatever this world is telling you is the opposite. I think Eli Miller said that in the first convention I was here. Uh, He preached the word. And he said, the path of the righteous is right in the middle of the path of the unjust. It's just going the opposite direction. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's our calling. That's what God is bringing us to. To be in him, we're complete. We have all the fullness of what he wants to do in his people. It's available to us. It's complete in us today. Yet we're in process. Yet it requires a, a being empty. A giving or pouring out even the last little bit that you have. In order for him to be able to fill you. Like he really is wanting to do. That is his desire. His desire is not to leave us empty. Or to watch us go through that. His desire is to have a people. That will have the fullness of what he is. And what he is doing in his people. Amen. Amen.
2: Uh, we've
0: been reading Narnia with Amelia, and we were reading The Horse and His Boy, ooh, sorry, the other day, and um, I took a picture of this one part, and it's just exactly what he was saying, but just thought I would read it. Um, anyway, they've just like gone through the desert and all of that, um, so they're at, they're with the hermit, and it says, um, the damsel is wounded, your horses are spent. Rabidash is at this moment, finding a ford over the winding arrow. You, if you run now without a moment's rest, you will still be in time to warn King Loon. Shasta's heart fainted at the words, for he felt he had no strength left, and he writhed inside at what seemed the cruelty and unfairness of the demand.
2: He had not yet learned
0: that if you do one good deed, your reward is usually to be set to do another, and harder, and better one.
2: And I just thought, yeah.
0: tied
3: it yeah. Thank you, Fabian. It's clear today. This is a good piece of uh, meat for us to chew. It's uh, helpful um, to realize. It's very easy to get distracted by what's going on outside ourselves. It happened with the disciples. They said, What's going to happen to Judas? What about him? He's a problem. And Jesus knew he was a problem all along. And so that's why he put him in charge of the money. Um, so i am taking that personally. Uh, but nonetheless, he said, what is that to you? Right? What is that to you? You follow me. This is the, the picture in the Bible of the disciples following is curious. And, and it's what a lot of you have done, really. Because Jesus said, come... Uh, come follow me. And it says straightway they dropped their nets (laughs) without consideration. And we came up here without a lot of consideration also. Um, And uh, you know, I appreciate Fabian always, he brings up his father a lot. I I agree, someone said the other day uh, up here, it said, God doesn't have any grandchildren, which I totally agree. Um, Nelson's not here because his parents were here. Um, It started out that way, but it, that doesn't hold you. Um, but, you know, and Fabian's not here because of his father, uh, because of what his father did. But you know, I, I was listening to it, and I thought how, how, how beautiful the sacrifice is of those that are gone before us, because it doesn't make us go, but when the Lord gets a hold of somebody like Fabian, um, you know, his father's sacrifice is pointed to as confirmation, as encouragement, as clarity of vision you know we get the i didn't know his father but i get the best of his father because of what fabian has gotten from his father's sacrifice he didn't get it because his father created it in him he got it because father god drew him himself but he looks upon what his natural father did in sowing himself and and that is like an encouragement and confirmation to to the road he's on Uh, So don't, you know, realize, parents, that your sacrifice has meaning. It doesn't bring your children. You don't change your children. God does that. But, boy, there's a certain standard and picture and confirmation and encouragement to look at, you know. Um, And um, there's an interesting, I'm going to be very quick here. But um, in Genesis 24... um, when Eliezer is sent out to find a wife <coughs> for Isaac, uh, he has one question. I think it's verse five. Before he leaves, he says, to, "You know, Abraham." He said, "Look, um, per adventure." Which I've always thought that was a funny word. You know, per adventure, the woman that I locate uh, doesn't want to follow. I love the word per adventure, but perhaps that could happen. <coughs> You know, perhaps there might be some resistance to following, to someone leaving their own family, their country, and all that, and going to some place they don't know. And they didn't have photos in those days. Well, what does Isaac look like? Um, you know, um, I don't mean there were perks. She got treasures and things. You know, but um, and and. Uh, Abraham says it, and he says it a couple times, it's referred to a couple times in chapter 24. He says, you know, so peradventure the woman won't follow. And Abraham said, um, uh, if in fact she won't follow, you are in fact clear of the oath. And I thought, what an awful thing that is for us. I'm not, I, don't believe, I'm person, I don't believe you can be unborn again. Right? I'm not talking about that, or unbaptized in the Holy Ghost um but i do think you can arrest your growth from what god's intended fullness for you is Uh, rebecca still could have had a perhaps a decent born again baptized in the spirit life at home but she perhaps would have missed out on the fullness of what god had called her to and how though we forsook our nets in ignorance, now we've been around for a number of years, how more significant it is that every single day you follow and I follow. To really come into really what God's intention was for us as, as uh, calling us out in the first place and bringing us into. John Henson said, he goes, you don't lose You don't lose your salvation or your relationship. I can't remember exactly how he said it. He said, but you lose fellowship. And and you gotta step back and think about that. Because what is the point of a relationship? You know, what's the point if Hannah and I, we have a marriage certificate, which is up on the wall, framed And under glass, it isn't. But
2: Um,
3: but if I take a trip and don't ever come home, we don't have fellowship. The first first trip I took, I think I got in big trouble because I I didn't I didn't phone home. I have since amended my ways. Um, But. What's the point of the relationship if there isn't fellowship and, and, and the joy of union and, and, and walking together? If there's no uh, infusion of, of God in our lives, really, what's the point of, of this? And, and that comes with following every single day. So thank you, Fabian. Very clear, clear today.